Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 20, Say Goodnight, Gracie. After the brawl at her band's debut, Lane is in trouble with her mother. Later, Jess receives a visitor at the diner. And much more that wasn't in that. Yeah, (laughs) a lot more. Um, Before we get into things, don't forget about our sticker giveaway. You can enter by writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and emailing us a screenshot to TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com along with your address and we'll send you a sticker. And if you want more than a sticker, you can also join us on Patreon with, you know, our name and whatnot. It's easy to find, I think. And there we provide you with our ad-free episodes and a general support tier called the Gazebo Club for $5 a month. And it's a fun club. The best club in town. (laughs) All right. What were your initial thoughts for this episode? Yeah, we're like picking up back really like right after our last episode and I felt like this one helped me kind of like clarify a lot of my thoughts and stuff that we'd been talking about last week I think it's a really good follow-up and I liked this episode a lot better than last week not only because of the events because I mean bad stuff does happen but I just felt like narratively it was really strong and like I recently heard another podcast say talking about succession that like you can judge um, a season of TV based on like the penultimate episode of the seasons like the one right before the finale and this one sort of is if you forget about like next one with the spinoff so that's just all to say that this is a strong penultimate episode so I feel like it speaks to like we've talked about how they've been like kind of on a rocky road into the ending of season three briefly but I feel like they're kind of sticking the landing now and have a sense of like where they want to end so it made me feel optimistic again how about you Mm -hmm. I agree with everything you said but I also felt heartbroken of course yeah (laughs) for a lot of it like it was just so much of the Jess stuff is just like so hard to watch because it's just so sad but yeah it was like I think this was a great episode for writing and for acting. It was just good all around. Plus, it had some of the good, fun Stars Hollow stuff that we were really missing mm-hmm. in the last episode to lighten things up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. Also, very sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree with those sentiments. <laughs> well, to lighten things up on our end, everyone can have a good laugh at us as we try <laughs> to do our Talking Fast segment. It should be good. <laughs> Okay. Are you prepared to go first? I think so. Okay. Ready, set, go. We pick back up right after the party. The lawn is trashed and Jess and Dean are both responsible for paying that family back and helping clean up. Luke is really angry about all of this. Um, Also, Jess's dad is there and Luke goes to confront him and doesn't tell Jess, but Jess finds out and he's angry. Him and his dad meet, but they don't say much. Then Luke gives Jess an ultimatum and he has to go if he doesn't want to graduate and quit his job. Meanwhile, Fran has died. Lorelai and Suki are going to get the dragonfly. Uh, Okay, I'll take that. That was pretty good. (laughs) How could I forget about the prom, though? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. Gosh. Okay. (laughs) 
Are you ready? I think so. All right. Well, oops, sorry. Just started my timer <laughs> before you even began. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So we're right after the party, following up with all the mayhem that happened. Lane is trying to get her mom to forgive her or at least talk to her. Dave is also trying to get in Mrs. Kim's good books, which ends up okay at the end. But also, Jess and Rory are not talking, but attempting to talk, but as usual, not communicating. And Jess's dad is there, and uh, there's a big blow up between Jess and Luke. And then uh, Fran dies, and Suki and Lorelai try to get the in. That was good. Okay, that was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Lane and Dave. That's even more important than the prom. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a good bit. Mm -hmm. I wish we could see everyone at the prom. I know. Like the Chilton prom as well. Yeah. I guess it would just be Dave and Lane that we care about, though. You can see Lindsay and Dean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, like, Brian would have a date? Yeah. I, I'm so confused about the where the rest of the band is mm. from. Like, are Zach and Brian and Dave from Stars Hollow? Because then wouldn't they have known each other at school? I don't know. I'm, I've just always been confused by that. That's a good point. And when they introduced the band, well, when Rory introduced them, she mentioned some of them aren't from Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just ignored that at the time. But now that you mention it, I just assumed they were from Stars Hollow, but maybe they're from yeah. Litchfield or whatever other little <laughs> towns they keep mentioning. <laughs> A competitor. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. All right. Well, before we get to all of the prom storylines, we start out after another party of sorts. You know, the party that was raided the night before, and they've done a good job of setting up this set to make this lawn look like it was trash you know litter everywhere red solo cups a broken fence and we've got kyle and marshall still really cute and bickering about picking up and kyle is saying like oh don't fight with me man my parents are watching and i felt like that was a nice little tie between the two episodes was this whole kyle thing and we don't see him again after this but it was nice to say goodbye to Kyle at the start of the episode mm -hmm. my MVP you know <laughs> yeah he seems like a good kid <laughs> yeah we also get Lorelai being super proud of Rory for <laughs> being at her first cop rated party <laughs> um but Rory as usual is not actually telling Lorelai the full story mm -hmm. and it's not until Luke shows up pissed off and starts ranting about how he has to come and, like, assess the damage because somebody, he doesn't really name Jess, but obviously he's talking about Jess. <laughs> His got name into rhymes a fight. with Tess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now Luke has to, like, figure out how to pay back the family for the damage he caused, which makes it clear that Jess was fighting and Lorelai has no problem figuring out who he was fighting. Right. And she asks Rory, and Rory kind of admits, like, yeah, they were fighting over me. And I sort of thought that perhaps a Lorelai lecture would result from that. Mm -hmm. But instead, <laughs> she is just incredibly proud that Rory not only was at a cop-rated party, but she caused the fight and the raid to happen at all. And Lorelai breaks out into the, did you ever know that you're my hero song? And that is my Rory's bookshelf. 
<laughs> because I like that song. I really liked the way that it was used here. I thought that was so funny and the way she chases Rory down while singing it. So I looked up a bit of the history of the song. It is called Wind Beneath My Wings. It was originally written in 1982, but the most popular version is from 1988, sung by Bette Midler for the movie Beaches, which was directed by Gary Marshall, known for many things, but the most important to me is The Princess Diaries. Very good Mm, movie director. (laughs) And I've heard of the movie Beaches. It seems like, you know, one of those kind of cult classics from the 80s or maybe not a cult classic but either way I haven't seen it and the synopsis described it as like about two friends and one is going to visit the other but she can't fly because of fog so she's driving and it's like going back and forth as she reflects on their friendship I guess and um yeah, it stars Bette Midler, who I like. So yeah, I think I'm going to go good. watch it. And the alternate title was Forever Friends. And I love a good female friendship story. So if it's from the guy who wrote, you know, produced, I mean, directed Princess Diaries, like I'm going to give it a chance. Yeah, that sounds good. So yeah, that was my, you know, Rory's bookshelf. It was started with the song, but then it led <laughs> me down a rabbit hole where I found a movie I want to see. So I just, I really love that about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah exposes us to culture (laughs) after this scene we have a short scene at the inn which i mean we hear a little bit about sookie's cooking and the guests settling into this like b&b type uh setup they have but the big thing is that we get another inkling that lorelei is feeling weird about not having contact with emily and richard because rory is going to be going to see them soon and Lorelai just feels strange about it. She attempts to name the feeling that she's having, but she can't really. Like, it's not guilt. It's not that she misses them. I think she actually does miss them. But Yeah. I think it's a combo of guilt and missing mm-hmm. them and probably, like, a little bit of happiness of being, you know, free from the required every single mm-hmm. week kind of commitment. So that is a complicated feeling. Hard to name. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But you're right. It's a really small scene. I think it kind of puts the idea in Lorelai's head of like, oh, I could reach out to them, you know, just like Rory is. So we'll see the uh, results of that a bit later on. (laughs) Yeah, the attempt. (laughs) Then we have a great scene at the church. And I think I mentioned this scene recently just because it's so like the setup of the stars hollow religious community yeah (laughs) is so cool it's so it's like the christian church ceremony going on and then you see the rabbi poke his head in and the pastor starts to talk really really quickly and then at the end of the service the rabbi is leading all the uh jewish people in for their service and Mm -hmm. replaces the cross with like the star of david just love it (laughs) yeah that was my stars hollow moment Um, for like what you described I think it's just so first of all it's funny but then second of all I like that there's just this like co-faith happy existence in Stars Hollow symbolized in the literal sharing of a building and that like the pastor and the rabbi are friendly you know rather than like being at each other's necks you know and he says like oh sorry David and he says it's okay Archie like they're on good terms first name basis we saw that they're good friends last time we saw them 
And I was wondering when we would get this scene because it's really in my memory. I thought it was related to the funeral back when we first talked about it, but it, it was in the same episode, actually. But it was for, you know, more of a regular service and it's very enjoyable. But meanwhile, Lane is having a rough time. <laughs> As you know, she had drunkenly called her mom the night before, spent oh, some gosh. time puking in the bushes, left her backpack at the house. It smells now. And that is why Roy is there returning the backpack to Lane. She says, what's that smell? And Roy is, sadly has to inform her, it's Gross. your backpack. <laughs> we also find out that, like, we all and Lane would expect that after that drunken phone call, she would return home to like a huge lecture and punishment from Mrs. Kim. But she arrived home to an em- like a dark, empty house. Mrs. Kim was sleeping, and when they were taught like in the uh, kitchen the next morning, Mrs. Kim just like said the barest of words to her. <laughs> so Lane is kind of getting. The cold shoulder, she says that it's more like the Stepford treatment than the cold shoulder, which I'm assuming refers to the Stepford wives, mm. like kind of robotic, I mm, guess. Mm-hmm. I think she actually, to clarify, says it's more than the Stepford treatment oh, because okay. Rory says she's freezing you out. So freezing out is like the Stepford wife way to do it. And Lane says her way is more like calm and serene. So it's like mysterious, you know, like what's really going on underneath the surface? <laughs> the water seems still, but surely there's like a hurricane yeah. on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'm like, I kind of love this episode for the Lane and Mrs. Kim mm-hmm. scenes and their relationship. Because so often we just think of Mrs. Kim as, like, antagonistic, but you kind of see in this episode how much Lane actually really, like, respects her mom Mm -hmm. and her mom's roles, even if she doesn't always like them. And it's it's just nice. Yeah, their relationship is more dynamic and complex than we Mm -hmm. always get it, give it credit for. And the and more than like the writers sometimes give it credit mm-hmm. for, you know, like they don't always take the time to approach it in this manner. So I am glad when they do. I agree. Yeah. After this, or I guess kind of during this at Luke's, Luke isn't there and Jess is having to deal with the morning rush. And it seems to be kind of crazy. He's like very haggard <laughs> running around trying to give people their food. There's this one guy in the corner who isn't ordering. He just keeps asking for more coffee and, like, he hasn't decided his order yet. Uh, Frustrates Jess quite a lot and uh, he is significant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we can say now that this is Jess's dad and we learn this information not only from, like, the way our we're drawn to notice him through this like continued he won't order but then at the end of the scene he leaves his wallet behind so Luke goes out to try to get him and he reads the name and so Mm -hmm. Luke must know him and he looks off into the distance and you're like "Mm, what's what's gonna happen and troubles a brewing (laughs) yes I Decided to join in the fun that you had last episode and make a multi-part oh, nice. <laughs> nomination. So this is 
part one of my Friday night dinner critique. I'll talk a bit more about it later because we'll get more context later on. But it's the like dad storyline I have some thoughts on and then also like the actions of his dad and some of the actions Mm -hmm. of Luke as well. So that's just to sprinkle in some things to come. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. I my Friday night dinner is also connected with that, so I have a feeling. Yeah, I thought it was a prime well, target, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During the scene, we also get a great little interlude from Taylor decked out in, like, this bright candy red pinstriped shirt, uh, jacket and accompanied by two women in, like, kind of prairie-type outfits. <laughs> I don't understand the theme. (laughs) I don't either. Like, they're not candy stripers. Yeah, it's like his shop is like an old shop and they spell it like what? O-L-D-E or just maybe S-H-O-P-P-E. It's something in the past, but like even in clothes alone, they're in very different times. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And his shop, he reminds me so much of like, Willy Wonka mm-hmm. in the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie in this this scene. He's advertising his new candy shop and he like is singing the Candyman song. Uh just very I don't know, very tailorish. Mm-hmm. And it's good for him that Luke wasn't there at the moment because I'm sure he would have kicked him out. But yeah. Jess just tries to get him out of the way because he's being annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't think of that song in the same way since Roy and Dean listened to that. Oh my Candyman. gosh, I forgot that. <laughs> After, do you think, I don't know. We never see the origin of how that's theirs. I yeah. can't even, but yeah, can't wow. listen to Candyman. <laughs> I completely forgot that. That changes the scene mm-hmm. so much for me. Yeah, foreshadowing <laughs> even. Yeah, oh, weird. Uh <laughs> Moving on. The last part of this scene is Luke returning and he's, of course, angry at Jess after everything he's learned. And he says, you know, you got in a fight and Jess, his first, you know, comeback is I defended myself. And Luke responds with my first Jess sass attack because I denominated (laughs) two this time. (laughs) And they're both Luke lines in conversation with Jess, like where he's kind of being sarcastic towards Jess. And he says, you know, Jess says, I was defending myself. And Luke says, you defended yourself all over the house, outside. (laughs) You defended yourself with a coffee table, with an ottoman. And I might have missed a couple of phrases, but essentially he's mocking the idea that Jess was simply defending himself because we Mm -hmm. know there's a modicum of truth to that statement and maybe Luke even believes that but the like degree to which they ended up fighting goes far beyond that you know as we obviously Mm -hmm. know so I I thought that was a good sassy line from Luke and he also kind of pairs it with the fact that Dean has already worked out a financial agreement and he was already helping fix the fence and so it's kind of like Dean is the angel in the scenario and Jess is something else here but um that's not to say like I think it is good that Dean did those things of course but that's part of you know Luke's argument is to kind of harass Jess based on how he's behaving you know objectively I know that it's good that Dean (laughs) took responsibility and is over there but something about it just like gives me the ick I'm just like god this guy is such a 
boring goody two shoes (laughs) like yeah it's good that he did that but still Mm. i don't like it (laughs) i feel like that's the jess in you (laughs) yeah probably i'm like oh that's nice (laughs) but dean this whole episode is just weird oh yeah he gets super (laughs) weird later on as we'll discuss jess does say dean will make a fine doormat for a woman later on and i thought that was just annoying because I yeah I mean he was taking responsibility for his actions in that moment and to view that as like doormat behavior is annoying or simply just like Mm -hmm. the whole like idea of a doormat like a submissive guy and like the aggressive woman is a stereotype of a relationship you know so yeah it just reminds me a lot of like Jess what we talked about with Jess's kind of idea of masculinity and like also being in a relationship with women which is his whole thing like you try hard until you get her and then you don't have to do anything and dean keeps trying hard so that makes him like a wimp or something Mm -hmm. um but after this scene yeah we get the little luke looking at the id for the guy um but then we're back at home for a quick scene with lorelei and rory where rory is getting prepared to leave and lorelei gets this kind of inkling and decides to call Emily and attempt to have a relationship with her, like just a regular one. Um, Emily answers and is like immediately very suspicious and asks to speak to Rory, even though Lorelai called her, which leads to a fun little like back and forth. Mm -hmm. And then um, they kind of rehash the whole argument about Friday night dinners and whether Lorelai like chose to end it and therefore meant something bigger by that um all the stuff that we've talked about before yeah and sadly Emily also really like reminds Lorelai of their previous relationship before the Friday night dinners were established which was that she would call Lorelai and leave a message like a cryptic message that would cause Lorelai to have to call back and then they would talk and then that would be it so it's like kind of just a I don't know sad it made me sad that Emily was like not even giving it a bit of a chance when Lorelai was kind of giving an olive branch of sorts even though she didn't say it outright yeah it seems like Emily is afraid that their relationship will revert back to the way that she just described. And so, like, almost defensively, she is reverting back to that on Mm -hmm. her own, almost to say, like, it's my choice or, you know, rather than feeling like she could get hurt if she does hold out hope for Lorelai that things will be different, even though we don't have Friday night dinners. Like, she doesn't trust Lorelai enough for that. And I don't know if that is unwarranted you know like this Mm -hmm. is the first call Lorelai's made and she's not exactly asking to like come over for dinner or anything so yeah but it definitely was sad yeah just disappointing Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly how the season ends with well I guess I kind of do now that I'm thinking about it I think I know (laughs) and it's like yeah it's not that they come to an understanding or match I mean Ban- I don't know. They don't really kind of repair this. It's sort of yeah. another agreement that is the Band-Aid for them. But we'll talk about that more when it happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rory 
well, a bit later on, Rory goes to Chilton because they're working kind of overtime on this Franklin issue. And it's a graduation issue. But even though Paris is very stressed about this, of course, Madeline and Louise don't seem to be <laughs> really too worried. Rory says they're staying true to themselves by planning for prom rather than the Franklin issue, which is a funny way to describe it. And they all sort of start to share their prom plans. Paris has some killer prom plans. She like super rich people stuff. I know. Jamie's got a private car for them. They're going to go to the prom, get a picture, maybe stay and dance if it's not lame. Then they're going to like a fancy dinner and then a helicopter. That's like another (laughs) level of rich people. Mm -hmm. Like we never even hear about Gilmore's having helicopters. Like I've only seen that kind of thing on Succession. And they're going to Martha's Vineyard, which is, of course, like rich people coded for uh, like a separate home, you know. Mm-hmm. And she seems very excited, which I mean, of course, I would be, too. Yeah. And then we get them asking Rory about her prom plans. And she mm-hmm. at this point still thinks that there might be, except that there's the weirdness with Jess yeah. So she just explains that Stars Hollow prom wouldn't be quite the same kind of glitz and glamour as Chilton. Yeah. But she doesn't expound on things at all. Overall, this whole like prom thing, and I was kind of joking about it at the start because I feel like the whole prom of it all feels kind of random. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you have thoughts on why they included it at all. But my thought is like, I don't know. I feel like they're thinking it like raises the stakes of the Rory and Jess argument if they can't go to prom together. (laughs) But that just doesn't seem like a serious consequence to me uh, based on like the other consequences that they have. Um, And I don't know, maybe it was just to keep in Chilton people so they could have a conversation about prom. It's an end of the year kind of thing. I don't know. How do you feel about the prom of it all? I... I agree. I think it really is just like a narrative device. Mm. I feel like they're just including, like they included it originally to show that Jess was getting kicked out of school. True, yeah. And also like the Dave and Lane prom stuff makes a lot more sense. But yeah, I think like the actual storyline for Rory and Jess just seems kind of like a side note to everything else. Definitely. And the Chilton prom, like, why do we even care? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, it would make more sense if Chilton wasn't having a prom for Rory to then want to go to Stars Hollow. But now we're wondering, like, well, why doesn't she want to go to the Chilton prom? Would she go to both of them or choose Stars Hollow over Chilton? Like, we just never hear her ever deciding that. (laughs) But hey. There's bigger things, bigger fish to fry in this episode, so we can move on from my quibble, quabble with prom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, after this, uh, we have a little walk about town with Lorelai and Suki, and Lorelai is filling Suki in on her attempted call with Emily. Mm -hmm. As usual, Suki is giving, like, pretty good advice, I think, just kind of siding with Lorelai, but also peppering in some some potential truths but the big part of this is that they walk past Weston's and see on the door that there's a sign saying that Fran has died and that there's going to be a funeral 
Very yes. sad because we just saw Fran a couple of episodes we ago did. making a double icing and cake. <laughs> oh, the things she did for her customers. Yeah. <laughs> May she rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. But this, at first, Lorelai and Suki are just, you know, sad. That's terrible. Fran is a part of the town. But then they both have like a sparkle in their eyes as they're looking at each other and like, I wonder what's going to happen with the dragonfly uh, now that she's dead, because that was the only reason she wouldn't sell it. She was just saying that she would hold on to it forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of inappropriately, but very understandably (laughs) are consumed by the idea of the dragonfly (laughs) because of Fran's death. Right. When one door closes, another opens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Poor Fran. And they sort of, in this scene, like, Suki questions, like, are we going to hell for even thinking about this? Or, like, did we accidentally will her death about by wanting the dragonfly? (laughs) And they kind of come to, like, a what will be will be sort of conclusion about, like, if they get the in. And we'll see that their attitudes and behaviors about that change at the (laughs) funeral. But for now, they're trying to, like, appease their ambition and not try to like jinx things by wishing this too soon after her passing (laughs) yeah and we'll see how it turns out you know but uh (laughs) before that our next scene is at the kims and this is the continuation of lane being really uneasy and trying to figure out what is going through her mom's mind she keeps like nervously talking while mrs kim is cleaning a chair and basically ignoring her and then dave enters the scene with my gazebo moment um it was really hard to choose between this and then sort of the second part of this storyline but i chose this because of his speech you know like i love a good speech and this one was written well it's a very kind of i love the trope of like the romantic lead finally having a big moving speech that sort of turns the tide, what have you not. And I didn't write down all of the lines because I feel like it's pretty iconic and people can like recite it from memory. I feel like it's a very (laughs) popular sound on TikTok I've heard going around. But, um, you know, he says like, I, you know, the other day you told me Lane likes me. I like her. Um, he talks about like, I don't watch too much TV, only 30 minutes a night, uh, because I think it's a waste of time. And also because nothing's on, he says he doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't drink soda because the carbonation freaks him out. Like I don't smoke a lot of other stuff. I'm really honestly like butchering the poeticness of the speech, but it's very grand and I think persuasive. And Mrs. Kim listens and then says, let's see. Did you write the line down? No, I didn't. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's something about like not letting day or night pass and remembering what the Lord has done, something like that. And Lane and Dave assume this is a Bible verse. We'll learn more about that later on. They're both confused about what it means and what I love about Dave, like following up that romantic speech, like not only does he have the bold moves, but then he also can back that up by saying like, OK, I'm going to go do research and I'll call you like <laughs> I got I'm going to get down to the bottom of this. And he's just so dedicated and he wore a suit without, you know, he said, I don't mind wearing a tie. He's just such a great guy. 
it's all golden like we've said before Mm -hmm. but i love this moment yeah and then on the way out he says he's gonna go research and then gives lane a big kiss oh yeah it was was really sweet Yeah. yeah it was even like I, it was even it was more improved I would say from their mm-hmm. first kiss like their first kiss was momentous but this one just felt more organic or mm-hmm. easy you know and it's romantic and it's all it's good yeah I love this scene and don't worry because the second part of this <laughs> is my gazebo moment Hooray. so we worked well together <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I just love and Mrs. Kim is so cryptic so it's really cool to f- see, like, what it ends up being in the next scene with them. Right. I like how, like, Lane is in the dark and we're also in the dark. Like, none of us know. And mm-hmm. it's fun to just keep waiting to find out. Yeah. I'm sad that Dave disappears after this season. <sighs> but I guess probably if he had stuck around, we would have had to see some sort of flaw from him. Right. I don't know. Like, Jess was fun and mysterious until they mm-hmm. started dating. What if that had happened? Oh, that'd be depressing. Yeah. Better leave while he's ahead. I know. <laughs> but the next scene after this is not such a fun scene. Not at all. We go to kind of a seedy motel. <laughs> and Luke arrives, and he has found the guy from the diner, a.k.a. Jimmy, Jess's dad. <laughs> um it made my when I'm writing my notes, I use just like the first letter of their name. Oh, that's to confusing. Designate. Yeah. So I always have to do like the first two letters for all the L names, which makes it look like I'm just writing like elements from the periodic table <laughs> through my notes. <laughs> I ended up having to do that for Jimmy and Jess, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, he won't be around long. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, Luke kind of confronts him, asks Jimmy why he's there, and we find a bit of the backstory of Jimmy uh, walking out on Liz. It ends up, I don't know if this was hyperbole, the story that Luke was saying, or the, the actual events, but he was like, it was right after Liz had given birth to Jess, and Jimmy said he was going to go out and get some diapers and never came back. That's rough. And yeah, that's not not a great, not a great thing. And apparently Jimmy has like shown no interest in getting to know Jess before now. And he he says that he like he just feels like it's the right time. And I kind of want to like Luke (laughs) is very defensive of Jess. And I I think that's good. I think he's like kind of reacting in this part in a fairly good way. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. want jimmy to come in and derail jess even more but at the same time i kind of applaud jimmy for like taking the plunge and feeling like he should actually go and meet his son that's probably Mm -hmm. something that he's thought about often in his life and finally has done we'll get a bit more about that in the next episode but with his adventure in california but it was just kind of a rough scene overall yeah it did feel rough and like I I do think it's interesting the way that Jimmy is talking about like it feels like the right time and I've changed and it has echoes of Chris coming back you know in his Mm -hmm. first episode and talking about how he changed and although there's a bit of a snafu where he tries to buy the book like throughout multiple episodes we do see that he has changed and he does kind of like incorporate into Rory's life more until things kind of go badly 
you know, at the end of season two. But I find it hard then seeing Jimmy like in the next scene where it's like, well, have you really changed? Like, I guess it's like, why do you come here to then have that scene where he barely says anything? You know, it ultimately feels selfish to me. But then it's hard to know because I barely know the character like (laughs) Maybe he had a plan and it was just too hard to do in the moment, you know, but we can talk about that a little bit more when we get there. But this was, you know, part two of my Friday night dinner critique, partially because of, you know, what I said and then what you also said about Luke, like I acting with good intentions. I think after this, not telling Jess is sort of a Mm -hmm. "Mm, probably should have done that kind of thing, you know, (laughs) Uh, But I also want to add in some context for the story itself, because it's like, why is the story here? Like, why now for the story and how it relates to Jess's kind of exit from the show to a show that would have been about his family. And there's some clues here because the actor is apparently played by, well, the actor is Rob Estes, who had been at the time in some bigger shows like Melrose Place, 90210, a couple others that I quickly Googled. So like immediately, I feel like an audience seeing him would know he's a bit of a, not just some random actor playing his dad, you know, but more so someone who is there to then go on to their own show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, this, like the next episode we get will be the backdoor pilot like we've discussed. And Apparently, it ends up using footage from the real pilot episode that they shot because by the time this was airing, they learned that the WB had canceled it. Like, reportedly, they had agreed to, like, six episodes, but they canceled it because it was going to be too expensive to shoot on Venice Beach, which I just think is such a weird choice for Amy to, like, choose finally to like finally acknowledge mm-hmm. the west coast and yeah. then try to have a show on like with venice beach like sh- girl i mean <laughs> but um apparently it was going to be ten well it was tentatively titled windward circle which is i don't really know Mm-mm. that much but um yeah i guess so i'm just kind of like the critique is a sort of the there's a certain force feeling or just like a very you see kind of the writing you see the purpose more in a way that you'd want to like not always see exactly why things are happening and whatnot Mm -hmm. and that's just some fun facts about the back because we've kind of referenced the spinoff a few times so yeah there's some more deets (laughs) thanks yeah (laughs) I kind of wish that if like if they hadn't had those other plans I would have still liked Jess's dad to make an appearance, but maybe Mm. in a more, like, organic way, like maybe sending Jess a letter first or something, you know, reaching out before just showing up. Yeah, or actually having a conversation. Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Whether it would be a fight or something that goes well or a combination of the two, like, we don't get any of that. We just get, like, something weird. sitting in silence, (laughs) yeah. That being said, I think that he was really well cast and like mm. having that silent scene. It's like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it did like play into Jess's characterization. But mm-hmm. yeah, Luke uh, d- 
doesn't want Jimmy to meet Jess, and we see that he also doesn't tell Jess about him. But before we get to that, we have the, like, the preamble to the funeral, I suppose. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Lorelai and Rory are walking towards the funeral, all decked out in their black dresses and everything. And then we see Miss Patty, who has my Lorelai's closet for the episode, because her shirt is black with dragonflies all over it and we just got matching dragonfly tattoos yeah to commemorate our podcast <laughs> so i like noticed those and i was like that's got to be it for this episode oh yeah um, do you think they put that in because it's about the dragonfly episode so they got miss patty wearing dragonflies that would be pretty cool if they had made that choice yeah we can we can ask valerie <laughs> yeah but we also get, like, Miss Patty thinks that it's going to be her next. You know, she starts kind of doom glooming about once Fran dies, everybody else is going to be dying. And Lorelai takes Miss Patty off to the church. And Rory, who's been kind of glancing towards the diner, seeing Jess in there, decides that she's got something she wants to do. So she, they separate here. And then we get... I thought, like, this is a great scene. It's a heartbreaking scene, but it's so well done Mm -hmm. with Rory. Jess is behind the counter in the diner counting out the uh, money or looking at the receipts or whatever. Rory approaches the door, like, pauses, turns back, walks away, comes back a couple of times. This whole time, Jess doesn't see anything, but Luke has come downstairs and is watching this all unfold. Then the last time that Rory walks away, Jess looks up and sees her going past and does the exact same thing, like approaches the door, goes back, goes out the door, comes back. Mm-hmm. And then Luke this is just watching the whole thing with kind of a baffled look on his face. Like he knows something's going on. Obviously, he knows Jess isn't ever going to tell him. It's just kind of, it's such a sad scene to see, like, how badly their relationship has gone. There's really just no no coming back from the past few episodes, especially the last episode. Right. I felt like this scene was just the epitome of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right. It's just so sad, but it just perfectly describes their dynamic and how dysfunctional it's become Mm -hmm. and I like that Luke is there sort of witnessing it in almost like our position as the viewer except he is like like you said baffled but we actually have like a deeper understanding and understand like everything that has led up to this sad moment and whatnot but yeah so frustrating really like star-crossed kind of feelings of like oh if you just could have we're almost there, you know, to yeah. communication, but you never, you didn't arrive, sadly. Yeah. It's like such a good depiction of teenage angst in a way. It is very angsty. After this, we go back to the funeral, and I do want to add a brief Miss Patty moment from earlier. As Lorelai is walking her to the church, she says, this all makes you really think (laughs) seriously or take life seriously or notice what matters. I'm so glad I had all of that sex. (laughs) I loved that line so much. I really, really liked it. And this show does not always strike. It's like approach to sex well. But when it does, it really does great. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of it is around Miss Patty, you know, like just positive 
approach to sex and like she's just you know empowered free and independent Mm -hmm. sex is good in her life rather than something that leads to the inevitable cursed child like (laughs) so yeah it's a good simple line but I really chuckled and loved it (laughs) yeah such a great role model We interrupt this podcast with important news updates from the Stars Hollow Gazette. It was a busy weekend in Stars Hollow, so we're here to help you catch up with the news. Our first headline, beloved Weston's Bakery owner Fran passes away. Fran opened Weston's Bakery in 1955, many years after her family originally opened the Dragonfly Inn in 1893. She was and is Stars Hollow. To ensure that her love and spirit continue, Weston's Bakery will remain open and run by those who have Fran's heart in their hearts. As for the Dragonfly Inn, it's open to whoever whoever tempts going to hell by bargaining for it at Fran's funeral. Our second headline, Young Love Blossoms. Mr. and Mrs. Thomas announced the engagement of their daughter Lindsay Ann to Dean Forrester, son of Randy and Barbara Forrester. My god, they're a good-looking couple. Rumor has it, they have to marry before Dean gets too tall that Lindsay can't talk to him anymore. Sometimes getting married young works out, so here's to hoping for this couple. Our last headline, the casket pins and splits pants of Kirk. This picture is a good one and sure to make you laugh. Some readers might laugh at Kirk's expense and suggest he shouldn't look too closely at his life in a judgmental way. But we'd like to remind readers that Kirk, like Fran, is a beloved and dedicated representative of Stars Hollow who would generously do anything for the town, including splitting his pants in public. This has been the Stars Hollow Gazette News. As we enter the funeral, Taylor's making sure everybody knows that his grand opening has been postponed (laughs) as he hands out the, like, uh, pamphlet or whatever it is for the funeral. (laughs) and then we get one of Fran's friends takes the stand to kind of reminisce about Fran and talk about her life and unfortunately during this the mic starts cutting out (laughs) right (laughs) as she starts talking potentially about the dragonfly in which really frustrates Suki and Lorelai and they're attempting to figure out what's going on this whole time they are not necessarily being uh going with their pact from earlier and just <laughs> doing like quesara que sera they're they're uh they're very invested um my stars hollow moment happens when the pastor asks everybody to take a moment of silence to remember <laughs> fran and at that second <laughs> the marching band outside strikes up a tune <laughs> and Taylor has to like run out saying that it's canceled. it's canceled. Apparently that was part of his grand it's opening. <laughs> it was just so so stars hollow. Mm-hmm. So perfect. <laughs> that is a good stars hollow moment. <laughs> From here, we get Dean approaching. He like is pretty insistent about wanting to talk to Rory. And I feel like this episode is full of like inappropriately timed conversations like this one and then the next one Lorelai and Sookie are about to have but I like I remembered of course that Dean and Lindsay get married I remember it was young and all of that but I didn't remember he tells her right now because that is what Mm -hmm. happens surprise surprise and I thought he was going to be like apologizing for the fight (laughs) 
And maybe that's what they wanted us to think. And so then it kind of surprises us. And it really did surprise me, even though I've seen the show before, supposedly. (laughs) And my question for you is like, we don't get the context of how this came about between Dean and Lindsay. How do you think that this happened? (laughs) I don't know. I I can't remember if this is my thought or you said it before. Mm -hmm. But like the idea that after the fight, Lindsay was questioning her and Dean's relationship and his commitment and like to show that he's committed he proposed maybe I don't know it's yeah it seems so so random after last episode where (laughs) Dean was fighting for Rory's I know uh, virtue or whatever (laughs) and he doesn't even say anything about that neither does she it's just so weird Yeah, that was my speculation as well, like that they get in a fight after the party, not a physical fight, you know, but they argue (laughs) and they um, like he's like, no, I would, you know, because she's probably worried since he was fighting Mm -hmm. over another girl and he's probably like trying to assure her like I'm only into you, only you and to show that like here's an engagement ring or probably doesn't even have a ring, but That's kind of how I feel like it came about Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But like us, this takes Rory by surprise. Her first question is why, which was a (laughs) hilarious response. Yeah, we were all thinking it. I know, right? Where um, and her second response was like, are you still going to college? Like once again, college is so important to Rory. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of talks about how they're so young, how they could date for a while. And Dean is offended by all of this and quite annoyed, like visibly annoyed. And he lashes out a bit at her and says, like, well, I'm sorry that you have a crappy relationship, but that was your choice. And I'm really happy. I never thought I'd be happy again. I wanted you to hear it from me first. Have a nice life. And he leaves. And that's probably like. <laughs> the meanest Dean has ever been to Rory. Um, And yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about this whole conversation? It was so weird. Like all the questions Rory was asking were also questions I had. (laughs) I, at the same time, it's like, maybe don't ask them, but also they're supposed to be good friends at this point. So why wouldn't she be asking these questions? Maybe it was just the delivery that was questionable (laughs) but Dean lashing out kind of made me wonder whether he had put any thought into the proposal and marriage and wedding at all (laughs) or if it was just spur of the moment because it definitely seemed like it and then him attacking Jess was just harsh but Rory was also very defensive about that so He's not wrong. Jess does kind of treat her like crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he says, like, Jess treats you like dirt. And this is a line that seems to, like, stick in Rory's head. Clearly, I believe, revealing how self-conscious she is and that she has a feeling the same way. Like, Mm -hmm. it kind of aligns with one of her worries because she says, like, multiple times in this conversation, he doesn't treat me like dirt, but then it comes up again when she's talking to Lorelai later on. Mm -hmm. And I felt like treating her like dirt is like a little harsh, but 
maybe like sand i don't know what's another material that's like a bit elevated above dirt but like (laughs) mud (laughs) yeah i'm not sure because he definitely doesn't treat her well potting Um, soil (laughs) yeah potting soil that stuff is expensive so maybe it's a yeah so yeah his like have a nice life thing was a bit a bit uncalled for (laughs) drama queen Uh, yeah that like but in this fight, and then later on when Rory talks about the engagement with Lorelai, her reaction, like, then and in this scene, I don't get the vibe of, like, she's jealous and wants mm-hmm. to be with Dean. And I we talked about this a bit with the hockey thing of, like, I feel like she wanted, she was jealous of, like, a health, their healthy relationship yeah. and what she'd had with Dean in terms of, like, it was working, kind of. Not really, but, she you know, <laughs> she was romanticizing it. And now that he's taking on this, like, married life, she does not want that. And she's, like, actively judging it. So now, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like that's gone for her. And at the episode, at the end when she says, like, I hope it will work out for them. Like, I almost feel like she does mean it. And then it's later on when she becomes Mm -hmm. more jealous and wants to become involved with him again. But she feels so much more focused on the Jess of it all right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of it because we know, like, obviously she's going to get involved even more in this marriage later on. So, yeah, just seeing I where think, it begins here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you got it right. Like, she's just so flabbergasted by this choice that he's making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of, I don't know, it it makes you look at G- Dean in a different light also that he could, like, make such a rash Mm-hmm. decision like this yeah it has um, to be spontaneous yeah and we didn't really see him make spontaneous decisions with Rory like yeah building her a car took a long time <laughs> yeah which means it must be reactive to something which like supports the idea that they had a fight or something but it mm-hmm. also kind of proves how much of a rebound Lindsay is for Dean Sadly. even in his like defense here that he right. thought he'd never be happy again <laughs> That could be it, too, like, proving to her, Lindsay, and himself mm-hmm. that she's not a rebound by making her be like, well, I'm going to marry you. That's how much yeah. of a rebound you're not. <laughs> but then, joke's uh-huh. on you, what happens when you marry your rebound? <laughs> like, yeah. who's actually a rebound? <laughs> you know, it's it's unfortunate. <laughs> At 18, that's just yeah, crazy. <laughs> rough. Um, moving on to another relationship development we're back at the kims after the funeral because mrs kim does not want to like she says something about walking behind dead people she doesn't (laughs) want to like take the stroll around the square like everyone else so they're back home and lane is still like she's saying sorry still trying to figure things out but they're interrupted by Dave arriving Mm -hmm. and I think this was your gazebo moment as you mentioned so I'll let you take the floor (laughs) yeah so this is the like second part of the Dave and Lane saga he shows up wearing the same suit just (laughs) looking completely haggard I think I've used that word too many times this episode but disheveled maybe yeah disheveled (laughs) like his tie is all undone his hair is all over the place And he has apparently spent the entire night reading the Bible from cover to cover, which I'd have to say is humanly impossible. (laughs) Right, right. But, and he couldn't figure out where that. 
Yeah. It's like a mom drives a car for her child. You know, that's what he did for reading. (laughs) Yeah. Edward and Bella, you know. Mm. (laughs) But he couldn't figure out where the quote was from. And uh, Mrs. Kim stops him and says, it wasn't from the Bible. It was from Shakespeare's Henry VI. Um, she she has fun sometimes too. Like she goofs around, you know, by reading I goof Shakespeare. Off now and then. I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she says that she was super impressed at him. She has, uh, that he could read the Bible in a whole night. She has attempted to and hasn't, or has only done it once or something. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But she's super impressed by his devotion to figuring out this cryptic thing she said (laughs) and then she says they can go to the prom but they cannot get married (laughs) which is such a good permission um lane who has been like determining her own punishment since this point and it says that she's gonna go up to her room and think about what she's done she has been listening to this whole thing and is super excited but she also gets the punishment of being grounded until prom and then for two months after prom. But mm-hmm. I thought this was a huge concession. Oh, yeah. Dave can call her every other day for 10 minutes. And I feel like before he couldn't really call her at all, He they would have had to like go through Rory on a weird three-way call like she used to do with Henry. Um, but Dave's just like flabbergasted at this whole thing. Lane is excited, goes upstairs. It's just such a great culmination to their whole dating story, trying to work around Mrs. Kim, and then finally getting to at least go to the prom together. It's very cute. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love that Mrs. Kim goofing off is reading mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> and Henry the Sixth, like of all of the plays yeah. I've never read. And I did look up so the line I have the proper quote it is let never day nor night on hollowed pass but still remember what the lord hath done and mm. apparently this is from google so I'm sorry to anyone who knows Henry the sex very well <laughs> like I guess the king is saying this to a blind man who has like regained his sight so it's kind of like thanking god for getting his sight back I guess and so I don't know. I was just trying to understand, like, why did she say it? What did it mm-hmm. mean? And I think it's supposed to be cryptic and mysterious to them and us. But I don't know if it's about someone regaining sight. Like, is she thinking Dave is just now realizing Lane likes him? And she's like, oh, now you see she likes you. Or I don't really know. But I just yeah. like that it's Shakespeare. And <laughs> she really tricked him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure I can make much sense of that quote. Yeah, if only I had read the play. (laughs) Yeah. But Henry VI is, like, the the history plays are the most dry. Some of them are still kind of fun, but, I mean, of all the Shakespeare things to goof off with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But that's the end of the Dave and Lane story. Sadly, I think that's the last we see of Dave. Really? I'm not entirely sure, but... Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't definitely... save my proper goodbyes when I was watching the episode. <laughs> he's definitely not there next season. Yeah, I guess maybe. I really actually wish we did get a prom scene mm-hmm. for all the fashion and whatnot. If they spent all this time mentioning it. Yeah. Just because <sighs> Rory's not going doesn't mean that we can't go also. <laughs> I guess it does. <laughs> <laughs> 
But after this great scene, we're at the funeral, or after the funeral again, and we're doing the walk around the town square with a casket. Suki and Lorelai, like, scurry up to the front to talk to the man in a suit who is helping to carry the casket. And he gets my Rory's bookshelf for this episode because I couldn't really find that many that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Not because he's a reference or anything, but because he is uh, Melissa McCarthy's husband oh. and uh, Ben Falcone, I think. Yeah. Um, and they, I was looking it up to see if this was when they met, but they had definitely met before doing some improv stuff uh, in like 98 or something. So they'd known each other. I don't know if they were married by this point. I don't think so. I think they got married in 2005, but I... Maybe I was reading into it, but I could see a little bit of chemistry between them Ooh. just in this scene, like Suki was giving him the eyes, you know, but they are in a lot of things together. Some of them, like, it's just a scene here or there, like in the Bridesmaids movie, he's just in one, one super funny scene with her, but so they don't all, they don't often get, like, full romantic scenes together, but they are married and they're, like, a comedy duo and they've been married this Mm -hmm. whole time they seem to be just a great couple so he was my rory's bookshelf (laughs) strangely not a book at all no i i like that reference (laughs) and that was a really good that was a really good spotting of him i sighed because i have like bitter feelings about ben falcone and like their relationship Uh because it's kind of like i don't know if it's a popular opinion it's at least an opinion i've come across that like He's sort of ruining her career. And that might be oh, dramatic, really? but like mm-hmm. he just has been like doing the whole like writer director thing and she keeps like mm-hmm. appearing in his movies and they just don't get like the best of reviews, you know? It's mm-hmm. like she really Bridesmaids and then a few other movies like Spy and stuff like that. But she, Bridesmaids was great though. <laughs> no, no, like that was the turning point. Like Oh, okay. Pe- I feel like it was like oh, people really took notice through Bridesmaids. And so then she followed it up and there were some more good movies. But since then, it's like name one movie she was in that was like really good, I think. Mm -hmm. And maybe Ghostbusters was one. She was just in The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. So that could be an exception. (laughs) I haven't seen that one. But and her husband wasn't involved with that. Right. So it kind of proves the point. Yeah, I never heard that before, but I also don't keep keep up with Mm. a lot of celebrity relationship things i just knew that they were together but that's interesting he's responsible yeah i mean i don't part of me wants to say that that's a ridiculous thing to say because you're still like it's still saying that men have more sway over a woman's career than the woman herself but Mm -hmm. i also don't know like maybe it it, maybe does have merit i'm not sure right right yeah But either way, I loved her as Ursula. Mm. I really liked The Little Mermaid. There was one song that was absolutely terrible. (laughs) I've heard about that, yeah. The (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda-ification of Disney. (laughs) Exactly. There were like two, there were a couple new songs, a few new songs, but two that were like very clearly Lin-Manuel Miranda Mm -hmm. did not really match the the music of the, the rest of the movie but anyways Sigh. that's for another time <laughs> but 
During this little conversation, as they walk around with the casket, Lorelai and Suki are able to get it out of this guy that uh, Fran didn't leave the dragonfly to anybody, and as far as the rest of the family is concerned, it whoever, they're going to sell it, and as long as the check clears, then it can be Lorelai and Suki's, so that's very exciting. Hooray! Yeah. The beginning of something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is when I had it in my notes to mention our tattoos because they said like, oh, nice. oh we'll keep it the dragonfly, you know. And I'm like, yes, it's very important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen our tattoos, check out our Instagram or TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we move from this pleasant scene to, I don't know if I would say unpleasant, but it's just, you know, dark, like literally it's <laughs> nighttime and... Mm-hmm. Um, Jess is like listening to music while he's cleaning up. The song was Suffragette City by David Bowie. Fun fact, my captions told me that. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> he has good music taste as usual. And Jimmy arrives. Jess like recognizes him from earlier. And Jimmy just kind of blurts out, I'm your father. <laughs> like, you know, Darth Vader. <laughs> Jess, I I'm your, your father. father. <laughs> Jimmy is surprised that Jess is surprised, thinking Luke told him, and Jess Mm -hmm. is like, no. He offers him coffee, which has to be so cold because it's just been sitting out. (laughs) And they just, you know, they sit in silence at a table. They're barely looking at each other. And this was when I was really questioning, like, if his dad had changed because he just, like, then says, I've got to go and leaves, Mm -hmm. like, without a word, just suddenly, like, and that just feels so selfish to kind of like upend Jess's life like Mm -hmm. meeting your long lost parent and then having them like not have anything to say to you really and just leave like that is so just tough you know on a kid so that was where some of my judgment came and some of the critique came from my end definitely yeah yeah that's so true yeah the the way they're non-conversation ends is like both of them sitting in silence staring away from each other nodding their heads along with the music Mm. and then mouthing the last words and looking at each other and seeing that the other person is also mouthing the words i saw this like recognition of we are cut from the same cloth basically i must have been taking my notes i need to look up more (laughs) that is nice so then do you think he was like overcome like oh my gosh, this is my son and I could have a relationship and was just like overwhelmed by that and like, I can't handle this. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, why does he leave? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I think you're right in that he should have had some sort of plan. Otherwise, it was just a fully selfish thing. But I, like, maybe he also was just kind of taken aback by how much the last time we saw Jess was when he was a baby Mm-hmm. And maybe he hadn't, like, reckoned with the fact that Jess might be a lot like him. Yeah. But that's also still, like, as the as the adult, as the parent, like, it's kind of your responsibility. Obviously, he hasn't taken this responsibility before. <laughs> but, yeah. like, to kind of say that if that's the thing that's going on in your mind, I don't know. It, yeah, I agree with you, though. It just was disappointing kind of sad yeah and it's kind of like hard to sympathize with Jimmy or try to like understand his actions because we know Mm -hmm. like 
next to nothing about him. We only know Luke's like really harsh views of him, which sound like they're warranted. But we also like don't know the life that he's had and like his mm-hmm. reasons for doing things. And it's sort of the way that like we hear about Liz from Luke in fairly negative ways. And then when she shows up, it's like sort of a different story. You know, mm-hmm. they're nicer to her in her representation. So I don't know. Like, yeah, we just barely know anything about Jimmy, which is fine if they want to do the whole like villain father backstory mm-hmm. kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think deeper about it because there's only so many clues to work with. I am glad that we get the episode next week to give some more context to him. Interesting. Even though it is a, a weird episode. <laughs> I like the title, Here Comes the Sun. Very clever pun, but mm-hmm. I think that's about all that I like about that episode. Oh, really? I like that episode. I need to see it, yeah. I just feel like, you know, Grey's Anatomy, they did the private practice backdoor pilot. I just don't, I'm not a mm-hmm. fan, I guess, but more to talk well, about next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so after this scene... We get another hard scene where Rory and Lorelai are walking around town. They pass this shop front which with a really pretty, like, red gown that Lorelai suggests could be Rory's prom dress. That was my Lorelai's Closet nomination, the prom dress that could be. <laughs> I agree that it was really pretty, and it was, like, the same... Well, almost the same red as Rory's coat, which I think we've complimented before. And it was also giving me like Bridgerton vibes, the dress was, like based on the cut and and the style of it. And I just thought that was like, oh, I could actually see Rory going to like a sort of Bridgerton style for prom, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't think she's necessarily one to be like on the newest trend but more going like classic just really timeless pretty dresses and whatnot so I'm like oh that just happens to be the perfect dress for Rory in the window Mm -hmm. how convenient yeah (laughs) um sadly Mm. she will not buy it as she explains to Lorelai in this scene yeah (sighs) yeah it's kind of like an explosion of everything that Rory's Mm -hmm. been holding in for the past like entire season basically yeah like half a season at least yeah (laughs) Yeah, she mentions something about the thing in Kyle's bedroom, which is what Lorelai really latches onto, understandably, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I don't blame her for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lorelai pulls her into the car and they and asks Roy to explain what everything's about. She kind of, she really, like, doesn't know how she feels. She's also, she doesn't like how she feels with Jess. She doesn't like how she's been acting with Jess which I think kind of is in line with a lot of the stuff we've been complaining about, Mm -hmm. like the keeping secrets and everything, which she does bring up. She didn't tell Lorelai about the distiller tickets, and so she's been turned into this whole secret keeper kind of (laughs) person because of the relationship. And she also explains what happened or didn't happen in Kyle's bedroom, which Lorelai is... I think relieved about but also when Rory says that Jess seemed angry about it Lorelai voices I think what we said last week like if he was angry about it then he's a terrible guy Mm -hmm. Um, or he's a jerk I guess is all that Lorelai says but we would say that he's a terrible person if you're (laughs) mad at that (laughs) yeah it was it was hard hard to see yeah and when she was explaining 
I feel like she was kind of generous with her description of what happened because mm-hmm. she said like he tried to have sex with rather than like he forced himself on me, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I think Lorelai would have been probably used the word stronger than jerk if Rory hadn't said because that almost sounds like he could have like just brought it up in conversation or, you know, something like that when what he did was worse than that. Um, but then Rory also vo- voices too, like, I don't even know if he was mad at me for that or if he was mad about something else. Like, he never talks to me. And that's where I agree with you, that it feels like she's finally voicing so much of what we've been saying and recognizing about their relationship. And she's finally confiding in someone else about it. And the only... I understand why she's not really turning the lens on herself right now because she is upset with Jess, but... I would hope that there could also be like a follow-up conversation at some point about how she also contributed in her own way of not communicating as well. But I don't know if this was like the time and place for that. But I was just like so thankful she was self-aware to a certain extent about what she does and doesn't want from a relationship. And it made me wonder, like, do you think if Jessa didn't leave, Rory would have broken up with him like based on how she's feeling would this have been like her moment where she finally like she had enough and she would actually like break up with a boyfriend I don't know I kind of doubt it Mm. (laughs) I think she like she would be justified and everybody would be suggesting she do but I don't think she would have I think she would have attempt like continued to try to like get things out of Jess to like fix him in a way that Though can as be Lorelai, yeah as Lorelai very astutely says like he has to want to talk mm-hmm. and I thought that was a great line from her yeah um, she was surprisingly sympathetic I mean mm-hmm. on the one hand she was she just kept asking about the Kyle thing but once they cleared that up Then one thing she also said was, like, it's probably hard for him to talk because where Mm -hmm. I was questioning, like, why doesn't he talk? And I was like, wow, that's like, huh, that's surprisingly (laughs) like pro Jess of her. And it doesn't like excuse his actions, but it does acknowledge like maybe where it's coming from. Like, yeah, he has a hard time talking. But I guess maybe that's the understatement of the century. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. And from here we go to... A sad, sad scene as well. Yeah. (laughs) Even worse, this is when Jess and Luke have a confrontation about his dad and about just ongoing issues with school in general. Jess starts this by, you know, being frustrated that Luke didn't mention that he talked to his dad, which I think is really fair. And then Luke gets into making a lot of other points that I think are really fair as well. Um, Was this conversation your Friday night dinner critique? Yeah. Yeah, I was super conflicted about it because I agreed with a lot of what Luke was saying and I also sympathized a lot with Jess. Mm -hmm. But my Friday night dinner is Luke not telling Jess that his father was there and like kind of preparing him for that potential meeting, which I think would have helped to minimize the damage that the meeting ended up doing it also would have instilled a bit more trust in Luke for address and I was also frustrated with Luke for 
telling Jess how everything was going to be fixed rather than like Jess is now an 18 year old he is an adult like he as much as he needs to face the consequences of everything that's happened he also needs to have some sort of say in it and I think that's where Luke kind of came down a bit too hard on him like trying to Mm. tell him you're gonna stay here you're gonna quit your job you're gonna go to school for another year that's how it's all gonna be and I think that maybe if they had actually like negotiated or something Mm -hmm. that it might have ended up better but I also don't think that that was it would be realistic to do that I just don't see it like actually working out that way so it yeah it was just a hard scene because I felt for both of the people and I also couldn't imagine a way that it would actually realistically go better yeah with such like heightened emotions (laughs) yeah totally and I really compare the scene to the first conversation they have when Luke brings Mm -hmm. up him not going to school and he is in negotiating mode then you know where he's saying like oh I could pay you more like what can I do to help you and Jess just keeps brushing him off and so he's kind of like had it by this point it feels like and this is when he's really doing like the yelling that he Mm -hmm. refrained from doing earlier and it's like I guess he could only refrain for so long because I agree there's definitely a far more diplomatic way to approach this and neither of them is at that point anymore and they're kind of just shouting at each other and Jess finally admits he's not graduating and Luke is just super frustrated and like well what is your future gonna be then Mm -hmm. and he makes fun of Walmart and being employee of the month as the sort of like goal in life and my second just sass attack is when Luke is talking about how he's his own boss at his yeah. business. And he says, I'm employee of the month, of the year, of the century, of the universe. And like, I thought that was a clever, clever way to put it. Um, and he moves from here to say the very like top down bossy approach, like you mentioned, quit your job, go to school and graduate. And he... Jess is like no and so then Luke plays his final card which is then you gotta go like an ultimatum and that's where it ends which is really kind of devastating you know especially like after all the progress they made together and we know they'll mend things up but this is like the bottom the lowest of the low and I don't know if we can have an answer for this but like why is Jess so determined to not like repeat the year or agree to Luke's terms like does he really plan to not graduate high school is it like a pride thing I just it's kind of hard to understand his motivations when he's not talking to anyone about them (laughs) you know I feel like it's partly a pride thing probably also partly like a just like he is at capacity type Mm -hmm. thing I don't know I've seen I've seen this same kind of thing happen and the parents take two different routes. I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's like Mm -hmm. private stuff for people that I know, but I've seen it happen where the teenager was like, I'm dropping out of high school. Uh, That's that. And the parents kick them out as a response. Like, well, if you're not going to high school, you can't live here anymore. And then I've also seen it be where the teen is like, I'm dropping out of high school and the parents say, well, 
And I'm going to try and at least keep you in the house somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen it both ways. Like it didn't end up <laughs> great for a while. Like there was a similar kind of trajectory where everything went badly for a few years and then they came back and kind of reconciled. But so I don't think that there's a right way to do it. Yeah. And I like I I feel like if I were in Luke's situation here where the whole deal the entire time was you go you live here, you go to school and all that, I would probably do something similar to what he did. But I don't know, there's a argument to be made for both both ways and there's no guarantee either way that it would work out better. Right. I think it also just goes back to their original agreement as well, like when You know, Jess got in trouble because of the whole car thing and Luke takes him back and he's like, but on these terms and they both agree to them. And then he so it's like, well, this was the agreement. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Luke's not in the place to amend the terms at Mm -hmm. this point, it seems like. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's hard, but I can see where the ultimatum comes from. But I could also see like if he had been willing to kind of let him stay there and work and then hope that Jess will come to his own realization of what he Mm -hmm. wants to do, you know, give him the time and space. But maybe it's also for the best that he leaves Stars Hollow because it's not exactly the most, like, supportive environment Yeah, it never has been. (laughs) I think sometimes, like, there's no, obviously no right, like, perfect answer to how to teach Uh, parent teenagers and I think at some point it does have to just be like the teenager is now an adult they have to figure out where to go from here there's no nothing more the parents can do like to actually impact things you know and I kind of think that that's this point for Jess yeah when you mentioned that he's 18 it is a good point like he is an adult at this point and he's He's always just wanted independence and he's isolated himself and now he's on his own to decide, unfortunately. Uh, Well, yeah, before we get Jess's official departure, there's a quick scene. Seems to be Monday morning before school. Rory and Lorelai are eating takeout from Luke's because Lorelai suspects Rory might not want to go see Jess yet. And they're looking over the newspaper They see the engagement announcement like we discussed a bit earlier. As it says in our ad, there's a really funny line about (laughs) like maybe they're getting married before Dean gets too tall and Lindsay can't talk to him. They like speculate if it will go well or not. Um, And they also look at a picture of Kirk apparently (laughs) with his split pants being pinned by the casket, which I think they dropped or something like that. It's just a little scene. Yeah, I kind of wish we'd seen that scene with Kirk. <laughs> I know. I'm like, did they film that? That'd be pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> After this, we get this scene is like in my memory emblazoned in there. <laughs> oh, seared in the memory for a bad way. For yeah. bad. But like, it's bad, but it's also just so well done because yeah. it's so emotional and so memorable. It's like and heartbreaking. Like no words. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So. We see Rory on the bus reading and a couple of people get off clearing her sightline to the back of the bus where we see Jess sitting there reading and Rory kind of steals herself and gets up to go and sit next to him. They 
have barely a conversation. She fills him in about the funeral, and then he just says, I couldn't get tickets for prom, and then it's Rory's stop, and he says he'll call her. Mm. She gets off the bus. Jess pulls up his filled duffel bag to switch out for another book, and you know he's gone. He's out of here. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It's so sad. <sighs> yeah. So hard. And it's like, by saying I couldn't get tickets, that's like alluding to everything he actually needs to tell her. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't get tickets because I can't graduate. Luke kicked me out. My dad was I here. saw my dad. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And her saying, like, call me is kind of like, we need to talk about all of this stuff. And she, then she does like the one look back as she's leaving out the bus doors, almost like there's a level of her that senses that mm-hmm. this is the final, you know, scene, not scene, but like the final conversation between the two of them. Mm. Heartbreaking. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. So well done though. Yeah. And he's leaving without telling anyone. Yeah. And he's in huh. a pretty sexy black leather jacket (laughs) he's looking a lot better than when he arrived in town on the bus with that like puffer vest (laughs) and super baggy pants (laughs) yeah i know yeah this is much more the just look that i know and love this is like the budget for his own show (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's a good point they're like get him the good leather jacket now that he's gonna be a star (laughs) well what a rough rough episode i mean a good episode but like as I said, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Who was your MVP for this episode? <laughs> My MVP was Fran. <laughs> oh, may R. she rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah. And may she also be the catalyst for an amazing new in storyline mm-hmm. next season. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Uh, My MVP was Mrs. Kim. As I said earlier, I just love the like, Lane and Mrs. Kim dynamic in this episode, mm-hmm. but I also was very proud of her for her kind of, uh, I think probably in all the silence that Lane was seeing from her, she was like warring with herself on how to compromise her own beliefs and her own like super strict rules. Yeah. And I'm proud of her for doing that in a way that allowed Lane to have a good prom with her boyfriend. Yeah. We'll never see again. <laughs> Ah, highs and lows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, well, we know that we're going to watch the... Ep- we're going to watch an episode we have different opinions on, so yeah. that'll be fun to do next week, and we can debate all that could have been, I guess, about Jess's own show. Mm-hmm. So a Should lot to talk about next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, until then. Yeah, talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.